Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Charlie Adams, Spencer Graham, Gabriel Pezek, and Ashley Martinez for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Batmite Presents Batman's Strangest Cases. This is even less in the Scooby-Doo canon than, like, fucking Harvey Birdman. Because there, at least, we got a full goddamn episode. Right. Well, I mean... This is six minutes long. We have had official Scooby-Doo segments that were less than six minutes long. I think our shortest was a pup named Scooby-Doo segment. I'm pretty sure one of the... There was one. One episode specifically that was, like, three minutes. Yeah. Don't know what they were doing there. That was within a 22-minute episode, though. Mm -hmm. I think the next shortest thing that we've watched to this crossover was that behind-the-scenes look. Right. With uh, the James Lipton wannabe. How long? Ooh, no. Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo was half of an episode. So that must have been like 11 minutes long. What are you talking about? That special episode was like six minutes. Was it? It was on the level of like this. Was it only that short? It it was only that short, Billy. This okay. This is an oxymoron. Maybe. But... I think I said the opposite of what I meant to. <laughs> but. Yeah, man. It was, it was pretty short. This one's pretty short, too. I feel like. But they jam a lot in there. Well, yeah. And, and they jam a lot in there that is. Very Scooby-Doo. But I do I do think... Taken to a satirical extreme. And once again, I need to remind you that you do not need to make a note about every visual s- frame that you witness. Well, Batmite so did. So let's <laughs> keep this recording under an hour, shall we, for this six-minute crossover spoof? <laughs> Batmite paused the whole episode to point out an animation error. So... I mean, I almost feel like our job is redundant since Batman, Batman did it already. All right, you heard it here first. From Scooby-Doo BS to Scooby-Doo BU. So, uh... Nope. Well, what did I, I just say? You said that... No, you said to Sco- from Scooby-Doo BS to Scooby-Doo BU. Yeah, because we're done. We're Good not, night. We're, we're not Bat done. Batmite did it. Bat- no, Batmite didn't do it. Batmite was there. Batmite... Di- I see, he did the episode. He didn't do the crime. We we need to do the time. <laughs> I don't want to do the time. Well, that's that's what we're doing here. <sighs> so for those who don't know, 
Uh, Batmite Presents Batman Strangest Cases is an episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold. It is specifically a three-parter episode, very much in the style of The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, where we're seeing three separate versions of Batman. But it's based on already existent versions. So, in the other two segments, we see the Batman parody from Mad Magazine and the Batmanga version. Both very separate from the Batman that we see in Batman the Brave and the Bold. But what we get here for this third segment, and the reason why we're talking about it, is that it's the Batman from the new Scooby-Doo movies. Olan. Sule. Alright then. Okay, so at first glance, who is Batmite? Because I've never cared enough to look into his backstory. You've never cared enough about Batmite? No, Billy. I am a Batman purist. I don't even like Robin. I only like Batman when he's oh by God. himself, hanging out in his cave, being fed nachos by Alfred. No, I love the like funny, goofy shit. So I will absolutely tell you that- Oh, it's so funny and goofy, he keeps a young boy locked up in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> he come and go as he pleases. That's how you describe Robin. He doesn't live- they don't live in the cave. They live in a mansion upstairs. The boy loves it. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen the boy in the mansion. I've only ever seen the boy in the cave. <laughs> he's, you've seen the boy in the mansion before. He's if the- Batmite. I've flustered Billy. Bat, Bat, I believe he is a creature of the fifth dimension. <laughs> He's very, like, omnipotent. He's got crazy reality warping powers. Why, though? For fun. He's just, just a, for fun. He's just a trickster god? Yes, very much so. And also a fan of Batman. <laughs> yeah, that covers it. Trickster god, fan of Batman. Uh, and so he's he took over Batman the Brave and the Bold to show us some different versions. I'm probably going to get roasted for, for my non-explanation of Batmite. But that's what's in <laughs> hey, my head right now. If it makes you feel any better, I don't care. <laughs> I just want Batman on his own. That's the Crazy, depressed guy in a damp, dark cave. That is the exact opposite premise of Batman the Brave and the Bold, where every episode he teams up with somebody new. Yeah, I don't need to see him working with Elastic Man. Don't need that in my life. I want the Batman, where he's just young Batman, chillin' courtside, eating nachos. I don't know how to explain to you more that I like a Batman that eats nachos. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies <laughs> you as a Batman purist in the same way that you think it does. <laughs> no, purist is in, like, I don't want his sidekicks. I just want Batman. <laughs> Undiluted Batman. Okay. I'm allowed to not like sidekicks. You are. Okay? You are. You are allowed. Jesus. Um, Wonder Woman hey, doesn't have a sidekick. It's. I'm not fighting you. <laughs> Seems a little like you are. Well, we're moving on from the fight then. My at first glance is just to note that this seems a hundred percent authentic to the new Scooby Doo movies. They've captured the aesthetic personally. They've captured the aesthetic perfectly, but what they haven't captured, and I'm happy for this, is the pace. This episode moves at a, at a clip. Do you think that could be the difference between giving them 
six minutes and 44 minutes, really? Absolutely. Yes. Really? I do think I that. I never would have linked those two. Those two corresponding thoughts. That six minutes is less than 44 and minutes. You got, and you got to move faster to keep everything in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, lo- and I love to see it. The premise <laughs> for this. The gang teams up with Batman and Robin to stop the Joker and Penguin from finding Bulldog Benson's fortune. Where do you want to start? Well, I... I have the most for Shaggy and Scooby in this episode. Okay. Um, and you know what? Let's just start with them. I can't understand Scooby at the beginning of this. <laughs> you know how you had the problems with Frank Welker and Curse of the Lake Monster? I feel like he really fell off the wagon here. Because the beginning of this episode, Scooby-Doo is just like... Was Don Messick a messier Scooby than Frank Welker is? Are we just used to a clear Frank Welker, whereas here he was like, all right, now pretend to be Don Messick being Scooby. And he was just like, I could never fucking understand that bitch, so here we go. (laughs) I think that's very, that works for me as a meta reason that he's not being Frank Welker Scooby-Doo here. He is being Don Messick. That works a lot. I think Don Messick was a less intelligible Scooby-Doo. He, he definitely they, was. I, they've cleaned it up since Mo- the 90s. Modern Scooby, you have Frank Welker being like, Hello there, Shaggy. We are here to solve a mystery. <laughs> he enunciates those S's. <laughs> but not the H's, according to you. Because he said Rello, but then he said Shaggy. It's, it's whatever is at the beginning of the sentence. It's an R and then a regular sentence. <laughs> the rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. So yeah, couldn't understand him, but boy, does he love those Scooby snacks. That's not new. Him eating them until his friends die is new. <laughs> it is. The fact that he is apparently so addicted to Scooby snacks. Because that is like the life or death situation that Joker and Penguin put them in here. They're all on a giant set of scales. Um, the gang on one side, Scooby snacks on the other. And if Scooby eats enough Scooby snacks to displace the weight, the gang will fall into a shark tank. And Scooby just can't resist it. He's addicted. He goes in. It's like Fry with the super concentrated slurm in the slurm bottling plant episode of Futurama. Yes. In which Leela's just like, I can't see what's happening. Are we boned? Yeah, we're boned. Because <laughs> Fry would rather eat that slime from the slug lady than save his friends. And I think that these are Scooby snacks that have been laced with something. Because I'm going to disagree with Scoobypedia here. It's a satire. Scoobypedia says that this is like Scooby-Doo crossing a moral event horizon that he never would in the main continuity. No, because it's a satire. But if if I'm taking it at face value, I think there is something in these Scooby snacks that is compelling Scooby to eat more than normal. Oh, because that is so much more a reasonable explanation than just sitting down and understanding what <laughs> satire is. I, I get it. I know I, you get it. I'm yelling at Scooby-Pedia. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey. There's no moral quandaries in Scooby-Doo. I'm not getting yelled at. I'm happy. <laughs> uh, at the end of this episode, they use smoke and mirrors 
to make Shaggy and Scooby appear to be a ghost. It feels that feels so classic. It to feels me. very classic. The trench coat and the hat feel straight out of Hassle in the Castle, where mm-hmm. they actually like used mirrors to make the the ghost. Yes. Uh, but did you notice Shaggy's also throwing his voice? His voice is coming out of that ghost, but he's not standing near the ghost. And it was distinctly said in one of the first episodes... That he's a skilled ventriloquist. That he can throw his voice, and you only ever see it that one time. Well, is it time number two that we've seen? I, I, hey, everybody, pull out those whiteboards on the, on the Shaggy Rogers ventriloquism count. Put another tick down that line. Up to two. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy, in general, in this episode, I thought was interesting. He wanted to bring Shaggy to hide in the Batmobile. He hadn't really cleared this with Batman at all. He just wanted to hide in somebody else's car. You said Shaggy takes Shaggy to hide in the Batmobile, which well, I guess is true. He is taking he himself. He takes himself. Uh, and all he, I did mean his associate, Scooby-Doo. Shaggy wants to split the money they find. They yeah. find all these sacks of gold, and it's like it's like past the statute of limitations of when you'd have to return it to exactly. anybody. And he was just like, or we could like split it. It's it's like Weird Al is in this episode for whatever fucking reason, and Weird Al wants to take all the money and open a polka museum. And Shaggy more sensibly says, or maybe we could split it. <laughs> he he's. Desperate for that money. I've, uh, I've never seen Shaggy so desperate for money before. If I was standing beside Weird Al Yankovic and there was a pile of money on the ground and he suggested taking all of it to open a polka museum, which would service all of one person, and that person is Weird Al Yankovic himself, I'd beat him to death and take all that <laughs> money for myself. Well, at least at- <laughs> If he would not hear reason of splitting it at least 50-50, he's a dead man. Because you know what? You could argue, yes, Weird Al found the money, but the gang saved him from the Joker, a noted killer, and the Penguin, still a bad guy. I would say also a noted killer. Would you, when is the Penguin killed? Well, it's a bit of a loaded question, don't you think? Joker is the most popular of the rogues villains, so you see the most of Joker in media. We haven't gotten Penguin very often. Surely somewhere Batman returns, though he offs someone. I'm certain Penguin is not against killing people. I'm certain of it. In The Batman, when he's got those, like, weird pincer hand Asian ladies, like, (laughs) he's ordering them to kill. Don't tell me he's not. All right. No one in Batman's rogue gallery is not killing people, except maybe the Riddler, because he's worthless. The Riddler, I was gonna, the Riddler specifically, I, well, then in some version, it all depends on the version. In some versions, he's like Jigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the version. And, you know, admittedly, I don't, I shouldn't be even talking about Joker, because this Joker is more like, meh, we're gonna open a speakeasy, see? Although not so much here, but I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, oh, how did you feel about when Batmite used his reality warping powers, and removed the fear from Shaggy and Scooby. I feel like they're just sociopaths now. They are. The fear was the only thing stopping them before. Do you think that's why Shaggy was so adamant about splitting the money? Mm. Like, Batmite... Batmite fucked up this universe. He thought he was just removing their fear so that they could fight, but instead they removed their goodness. They're evil now. Shit. 
They are now in Batman's rogues gallery. That's, that's a way to take this. The Daphne dilemma. Does Daphne say one single fucking thing? She does. I believe she says, Look, it's Batman! Or, potentially, it could just be, Batman! But I did note she recognizes Batman, and it is her one line. I had first thought they were just like, you know what, we can get away without paying Grey for this one. But they got her in. Uh, Velma, as well, didn't do too much. I really don't think she would be dragged to a Weird Al Yankovic concert. Like... Of everyone that Shaggy and Scooby were going to convince to go to that concert, Mm -hmm. Velma's putting her fucking foot down and saying no. Do you think that it is Shaggy and Scooby dragging everybody, though? Because to me, this that feels like a Fred thing. Where Fred's like, oh my god, you need to hear this. This is hilarious. It is the funniest thing I've ever heard. He takes normal songs and they're, they're, wait, he changes the lyrics. I counter you that Fred is so innocent, he's never heard the original songs that are being parodied. (laughs) So he just thinks Gangsta's Paradise is Amish Paradise. This guy's got away with with grooves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those early 90s backing tracks. Mm. Lyrics leave a little something to be desired, but you know. He'll hear one of the originals and he'll be like, oh, is this a cover of Weird Al? (laughs) Moving on to the Fred factor. Fred catches the Joker with a hook immediately. Like, that's how I knew things were moving so fast. They had not split up. He was just like, gotcha. They had been warned of the, um, the Footlight Phantom by the Backstage Rage Puppet Master. Yes, we'll talk about him. I believe I just did. I have other notes for him. <laughs> uh, you really shouldn't. They are warned of the phantom by him. The phantom appears. They've already been warned, so they have a heads up on this guy already. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that makes sense. And you know what? The Joker does get away after that. So that was a nice way of revealing who was under the mask. And then we have a good amount of time with Joker. Because I remember that being a bit of a criticism I had of the Batman episodes of the new Scooby-Doo movies, that we knew it was Joker and Penguin each time. This way, there's still a reveal. Fred's best moment in this, though? Dancing. He dances to that polka music in that old-time style. Him and Daphne sort of leaning back and shaking themselves. Yeah, they do that thing where they like, they're like holding one hand and then they're both violently pitching themselves yeah. backwards. Like, like that's they, a dance. They hold each they, other for support. They have zero friction on their shoes, so their feet are just sliding on the floor. It's weird, man. But I, 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 love, how, I love how it ends with that dance, though. Every, it ends with like a Charlie Brown style dance party where they all just dance on the stage. And it's just, oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good to see this very classic version of the gang back. They're not trying to tweak it in any way. Like it's played straight. It's played totally straight. This is just a hyper fast version of a new Scooby-Doo movie. What about Shaggy asking for the money? Well, that's, yeah, okay, you're right. That, what well, about Daphne having literally nothing to say? It, well, that's part, of the, that's, that's part of the speed. But yeah, sh- apart from Batmite fundamentally altering Shaggy and Scooby forever, 
this this was played straight. And yeah, uh, speaking of minor mentions, Batmite, we talked about who he is, and I just want to say, he's played by Paul Rubens. He seems to me like the worst kind of dude I'd ever want to be around. He says that Batman, Scooby-Doo, and Weird Al are the perfect pop culture trifecta. To which, you know, you would meet this guy and he'd be like, I like Batman. And be like, okay, cool, I like Mm Scooby-Doo. Hey, that's a little more fringe. I'm into that. And Weird Al. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm out. I'm done. Bye-bye. It's very strange. Weird Al himself. So, I like the idea of a Weird Al Scooby-Doo episode. When we get to it in Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, I'm excited. I don't know if he was necessary here, because we're already crossing over with Batman. All the parodies try and they put too many celebrities in it. Yeah, so like Weird Al gets some lines at the expense of Daphne getting nothing? Yeah. And the fact that Weird Al is unafraid of the Joker? The Joker? Known psychopath, the Joker, (laughs) and Weird Al's just, like, completely unmoved. No one came to Weird Al's show. I feel like even with a phantom on the loose, people are going to show up for Weird Al. He's kind of beloved. Not by me. Not in this episode. Is he not beloved by you? I could take him or leave him. What's your attachment to him? I'd rather Daphne have one fucking lie. I agree with that. My, okay, my thing with Weird Al, I just think he is, he's a man, first of all, who's had a decades-long career seemingly without controversy. People seem to still like him. That's something to hold on to in this world. But if he's producing content that I could live without, why do I have to get down and lick his boots? No one's asking you to lick Weird Al's boots. Least of all Weird Al. And that's why I like him. He says there's no fog machine in this number. Which Weird Al song do you think has a fog machine? I'm just expected to pull from my vast knowledge of Weird Al now. Mm-hmm. I can name like three songs he does. That Bad Lady Gaga one, Amish Paradise, and Eat em. I believe it's called Eat It. There you go. I can name two then. <laughs> I I, was I don't g- know why you're laughing. Like, oh, I've made a fool of her now. I la- I laugh when I'm nervous. Uh, I was just gonna say I, th- I thought his Star Wars parody could probably use the smoke. He uses his accordion to take out the Joker, and he gets all the money at the end. So good for him. Like maybe we could split it. <laughs> no, <laughs> Weird Al's money now. Batman. Is here with Robin. Yes. Shockingly, Batman shows up in this Batman episode. Frank Welker <laughs> is Batman. Finally! He earned it. He's got to be the next live-action Batman. Live-action oh Frank God. Welker Batman or not. CW. <laughs> CW, you get on this. Oh my God, they need to do a Scooby-Doo crossover in the Batwoman series, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to that. I bet you Daphne would get lines there. I like the fact that uh, Frank Welker is playing Batman here because, you know, he's a lot more like Olan Soule than Diedrich Bader, who is the Batman of Brave and the Bold. Diedrich Bader actually cameos in this short as the old puppet master, Pietro, from the, uh, the I guess this is a prequel to the one that took place in the, in the puppet You think show. they recognize him? They'd recognize That's... him in either instance. Mm. You're right. Well, he d- maybe he didn't have a face that stuck with them. 
for this brief interaction at a theater. The man's head fell off because it turned out he was a giant puppet. You're going to remember that yeah, guy's face. That's why I'm saying this is a prequel to that. So this, to me, is actually taking place during Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Prior to the puppet episode. Okay, but, like, are we to believe that Pietro was actually not a man, though, and was just Joker in another disguise? I mean, why would this usher go out of his way to warn the kids? Well, he, he, because there's a phantom on the loose, and he's a good guy. He's honorable. Clearly not. He was he a wasn't, counterfeiter. He wasn't the... Well, yeah, yeah, later on he turned to crime. But as of the moment, because... Ah, because he used to work here in the theater. He put on his little puppet shows in the theater a couple days a week. But as soon as Weird Al turns it into a polka museum, he loses his job... Business isn't as good, and he has to turn to counterfeiting. Sure. One other note for Batman and Robins, Robin specifically, how does he do that two-legged kick to the face while he's still standing? He's, like, standing, and then he's kicking. And it just seems to me like gravity is going to take over, and you're also going to suffer the consequences of that two-legged <laughs> kick. I mean, people kick with two legs sometimes, but you're right. They do need he to suffer consequences. They don't do it from a standing start. <laughs> no, they definitely don't. <laughs> Work on a little momentum first. So, interesting thing about Robin. He is played by Jason Marsden in this episode. Oh, it sounded familiar. The fun thing about Jason Marsden, if I recall, he played Burt Ward... In Batman Back to the Batcave, which was like a little TV movie that Burt Ward and Adam West did, and then had flashbacks, the, the making of Batman 66. So there's a good little, like, thread that ties him to the role of Robin. I like when things do that. I also really enjoyed how we took a moment in the middle of this episode for safety. We got a little safety lesson. Mm-hmm. Specifically about sharks. <laughs> and that, that takes the place of any explanation of how Batman and Robin saved the gang. We go from the gang are in danger, to safety blurb, to, alright, now we're safe, let's carry on. It'd be so easy to save the gang. Take them off the part of the scale that's about to go into the shark tank. Yeah, but I feel like traditionally we would have still seen them be saved. Or a slight explanation of them being saved. Here we just cut right through it. That's part of the fast, fast pace. Uh, my last note here is that when they were talking about splitting the money, Batman starts off by saying, My good friend, millionaire Bruce Wayne. He ends up saying that would support the idea. I thought he was going to say, My good friend, millionaire Bruce Wayne could use the money. <laughs> Yeah, his portfolio isn't diversified enough. He needs more. The gold of an old gangster <laughs> would add a nice little blip. Just open those bags into his money pile that he has, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck style. <laughs> All right, moving on, villains. The Footlight Phantom. It is nothing. It's Joker and Penguin. For some reason, Penguin's also there. Where was he? They unmasked Joker as the Phantom, and then when, the, right. when does Penguin come in? Like, I cannot remember. Penguin just comes in from offside. Comes like in he, from the top of the frame. He was working the <laughs> curtains. Um, the Footlight Phantom shares a character design. Uh, it is the same outfit that 
Mrs. Banks wore in the dynamic Scooby-Doo affair. So not only is it like a Ryu Scooby-Doo costume, but specifically from a Batman Scooby-Doo crossover. I was going to say it was that one of the demons from the 13 demons from the chest. One of them wore pink. For sure. I totally know the one you're thinking of. Morgroth or something stupid. Mm-hmm. But this, what was... Pink is big with Scooby-Doo villains. So this Footlight Phantom, um, it was a ghost that haunted the theater. It's, it's just looking for the gold in the theater. It's one of those classic Scooby-Doo cases where the villain isn't really committing a crime. Why do you keep saying it as if we haven't identified that it's Joker and Penguin? It is. Well, sorry. I mean, I... They're the ones looking for the old gangster gold instead of just robbing a modern bank. Yeah. But the fact is, they're looking for money that is essentially in the public domain. It's like when when that... It's like the phantom that was robbing Vasquez Castle. Yeah. You're allowed to do that! No one... No one would have denied him his yeah. doubloons if he's found them. Like, if what Joker is doing here is a crime, then Weird Al is a criminal. Yeah. Because he takes that money. Yeah. I mean, you can arrest Joker on a lot of other charges besides this, but... if a, Yeah, you're right. If the money's a crime, Weird Al needs to go to prison right <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. You thief, you bastard. <laughs> Hashtag... Lock Al up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get that trending, people. So, is it feasible that someone just go looking for some old gold? Yeah, it's feasible. It's very feasible. And, like, to to spread news of a phantom to kind of get people away from a theater? Joker and Penguin have connections. They can do that. How do you feel about the presentation of uh, Joker and Penguin in this episode? Fine, I guess. I think like Daphne, Penguin doesn't say a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Joker's back is Mark Hamill. It's actually not. Isn't it? No. It sounded exactly like him. It's Corey Burton. thought for sure that was Hamill no, again. No, it It did have a very Hamill twinge. Like, I was going to say, it's definitely not the same Joker as in the new Scooby-Doo movies. Because that one was just an old-timey gangster, and he's going to get you. This one was more like it. No, that's an old-timey prospector. But. <laughs> it, I think it was a lot more Mark Hamill than you're giving it credit for. It w- if it tricked me, then that was very Mark Hamill. Also a great point. Did you find the Footlight Phantom scary? No. How about the Joker and Penguin? In this iteration, no. These are the two dudes that go out in dryad costumes to fuck in the woods. Speaking of, do you like the moment where they, it was like the chase sequence and they had to hide and they actually hid in dryad and goblin costumes? No, I did not like that. Is I don't know it, if you remember, but I did not care for those new Scooby-Doo movies. Did you not like so, it because I screamed really loudly as soon as I saw a dryad? <laughs> you did also scream really loudly, and you yeah. And you didn't care for my screaming. I don't care for a number of things that have happened... <laughs> Around this episode. <laughs> Including the fact that we're nearly at 40 minutes of recording for a six minute episode. Well, we're almost done. I, I'm just going to ask you, do you have a terror scale for the Footlight Phantom? I don't even know why we have a terror scale in these situations. It's, I'm not going to be scared it's of a, a dude in a pink robe. Fred doesn't even run away. Fred literally hooks him. Don't say Fred he- doesn't run away. Shaggy and Scooby don't run away. True. I mean, but well, Fred, Fred. Fred steps forward. Fred's a brave boy. 
Bless our Fred. He's a brave boy. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Footlight Phantom a zero for effort. <laughs> a failing grade for effort. <laughs> like it's a twelve in execution, but zero in effort. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say about this. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm gonna go out on. In terms of a ranking, I, I mean, I mean, I kind of, I want to just give this a Scooby-Doo absolutely. It's six minutes long, and it's, if you know Scooby-Doo, you're just gonna smile the whole time. Yeah, sure. Scooby-Doo absolutely. I was a little disappointed. The only thing, you know, they're showing up in Batman the Brave and the Bold, and we never got actually like the brave and the bold batman with scooby-doo and the gang but i know for a fact that years later we will get a whole movie with that so it'll be interesting to revisit this sphere sure coming up next is legend of the phantasaur another movie looking forward to watching another feature-length film some of them uh lose my attention <laughs> about halfway through yeah. so i hope it's better than uh camp scare in that regard and camp, but we'll camp see. scare was really good so we'll see if it holds up to we'll that we'll see amelia's a fickle bitch <laughs> well if you would like to uh write into us with any comments on our smack talk about batman <laughs> or anything scooby-doo related you can find us on twitter i am at the billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Doos. All our old episodes are also streaming on our WordPress page, our Tumblr page, or a YouTube channel all under Scooby Doos or Scooby Don'ts. I have a personal YouTube channel under Fatal Amelia where I do spooky stuff. If you're outside of Canada and the United States, you'll be able to watch my newest one. But if you're in Canada and the United States, Miramax is being a hog's cock and won't show it, so... There's that. Soon it will go up on Vimo, probably, because I'm just pissy. And now... <laughs> I don't know where you learned the phrase hog's cock, but you've been using it a lot lately. Well, it just seems like a really unpleasant thing. I No, I'm finding it delightful. So, <laughs> continue. <laughs> and on that note... That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us. The Scooby-Dooby-Us! I drew inspiration from my lord and savior, Gail Waters Waters, I think, for Hog's Cock. That's where I'm pulling it from. I feel like she definitely would have said that. Yeah.